White Church. I'm Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot, my, <laughs> I forgot my cute work. Let's just keep going. Good, Let's keep going. No uh, worries. This is also this, Colton. I'm Colton. Hey, Colton. Uh, What's up, baby? Hello, uh, Ryan. We need to talk about something. Let's uh, do it. On episode episode three, I think I believe. I think yep. it was episode three. Yep. Um, you censored me. I did. <laughs> I may have sworn at the end of that episode, and Ryan asked me to cut it out. And Ryan, I I have one question for you. How dare you? <laughs> That's not even a question, bro. That's a statement. That's just a statement. I yeah. just I'm out here in eight, just being censored, yep. censoring Italian Americans. This is classic. And this is what happens with eights and threes. I'm PR, and yeah. you're the un- image control. Yeah, image. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at me caring about what other people oh, think. Oh, there might be high schoolers listening. My students. Yeah, uh. I gotta make sure that that's a thing I care about because I'm a youth pastor, and I do care about it. For you parents out there listening. I'm surprised you've made it this far. This is great. Um, so, yeah. Well, I promise to not swear. Thanks, Colton. <laughs> Ever again. No. In my life. Okay. Uh, anyway, Ryan, we got a fun one today. We're talking about uh, the, the classic saying, I don't see color. Um, so good. Which is related to colorblind theology. It, sometimes yep. it's said as, well, I was taught to treat everyone the same. I don't see any color. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, I don't care if you're black, white, brown, purple, pink, or polka dotted. <laughs> yeah, you gotta love that one. I'm like, we've all met uh, purple and polka dotted people before. We all have. That adds credibility to that statement. Uh, Ryan, we're all one race. Yeah, The one human race. race. Right. Which is true, honestly. Yeah, um is. So Ryan, when when you have talked to someone, or you're talking about race, or you're talking about the black community, or you're talking about your heritage, and someone says, "Well, I don't, I don't see color," what what rises up in you? What's going on in your soul when you hear that? Well, first of all, if we didn't see color, then all of us would die at traffic lights. <laughs> I just we have to talk about that. Well, the... we're already in Mesa, Arizona, and since I've been back here for the three days right, uh, right. to record. Mm-hmm. I have seen about it's four, around Christmas time now. We're four, December twenty seventh. Four Sorry, snowbirds run red lights. Really? So maybe once you get older, you don't see color. Yeah, and that, that's normally who I hear it from. Honestly. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I was behind a lady literally on my way here, um, and she got into the turn lane but was trying to drive straight, and so the rest of the intersection saw that and just didn't do anything until she figured it out. Yeah. So yeah. So basically, here's how that works: is uh, if you if you're at a stoplight, you pay attention and you learn that there's three different colors at the light. There's yellow, which is slow down or prepare to stop. There's red, which is stop, and then there's green, which is go. And so when people tell you that they don't see color, that's like saying you can't make distinctions or you can't handle distinctions. But we all know that in that three different lights, there's one traffic light. Just like there's different colors in the one human race and those different colors come with different backgrounds and experiences and different stories and so that's my first thing the second thing is it's just exhausting because when you are in the seat of what's quote-unquote normal you're allowed to not make distinctions because they don't really necessarily have to affect you if you have the cultural privilege uh, privilege or the cultural norm uh, just like that how we talked about walking into a grocery store and, and maybe trying to get hair products. What you're going to see on most aisles, so you go into Target, <laughs> is maybe a little bit of a section that's for ethnic or a couple of black models or, or Hispanic models or whatnot. But mo- the majority of the products are for European-style hair or, or Eurocentric or white Caucasian hair. Um, and that's one of those things where you're like, man, that just 
takes away from the very real realities of being a human that has a different uh, heritage, biological makeup, uh, story. And so that's what that does to me. It makes me go, okay, that means you can just choose to opt out of seeing distinctions because that's just more comfortable for you. Well, when I walk down the hairstyling aisle and mm. I find my Garnier Fructis ah, uh, Garnier. <laughs> bouncy curls curling mm-hmm. gel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't see color. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a green bottle. It, yeah. But I, it could be purple bottle. It could be a purple bottle. Or I a polka dot no, bottle. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to, in some ways, this is there's truth in this. We are all one race. It would be good if color distinctions didn't matter in terms of how we treated one another. That's, right. that's a good thing. But it's often made into this dismissive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's like when I'm walking down the street, whether late at night, even during the day, and I see a relatively large black man or a rough-looking black man, I subconsciously just pick up on that color and get scared, go the other way, walk to their side, hold on to my purse a little bit tighter, hold on to my kid a little bit tighter. Uh, so it's just we, we're preconditioned to see color. I mean, we've seen color until at least the 1960s in america right like yeah <laughs> like this distinctively we have seen color distinctively jim crow separated whites blacks fountains everybody yeah. saw color then there was colored fountains and non-colored, non-colored fountains. fountains so when you say you don't see color it doesn't really make sense because you don't even have a color as a white person quote unquote that's how they kind sure. of that's how we kind of think at times so it's it's again it's a, it's dismissive of one side it's not dismissive of your own experience because you already don't you already live a life of white isn't a color so it's really just dismissing one side in some ways it's like if if I were to get married one day, and now that I'm in relationship with a woman, that therefore I don't see gender. Gender doesn't impact any of my decisions. I treat every human being the same. Is, is that true? Do, do people not treat women differently than men? Do you not hold the door open? I'm not saying that's a, I'm not saying that's a prescription for anyone <laughs> right, <laughs> who right. might not like that. Right. Um, but we we treat gender differently, right? Mm-hmm. We treat nationality mm-hmm. differently. So it's just weird that all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't see color. And I get the intention. The intention's really good. Like, hey, Ryan, I'm trying to tell you, like, I don't I don't discriminate. Yeah. Um, but it's using this, like, weird little slogan of, like, I don't see polka dots. Mm-hmm. I don't see color. Yeah. It's pretty invalidating, again, as we've talked about in a, couple, in a couple other episodes, like, making sure that you are not trying to, if you're a white person talking with someone in a black Christian space, that you're not trying to invalidate them by telling them what reality is. If you want to do a little experiment with me, listeners, here's what I want you to do. Close your eyes. Science time with Science Rye. Science Rye. Here we go. Close (laughs) your eyes. And then I'm going to say, think of a kid walking down the street. I hope you've thought about the kid. What color was he? Or her? Did most of you guys think, oh, just maybe somebody that looks white? Because if you didn't automatically think that, then you've probably grown up in a very multicultural place. But if you're listening here in the East Valley, then you probably thought of a white kid. Now, I visualize a kid with no color, Ryan. Oh, so. a transparent kid. Lots of <laughs> organs. That's pretty wild. Saw all the veins. And yeah. Nasty. He was dude. just muscles. It's muscles. like one of the diagrams that show it's you like an muscles are in the gym. Yeah. 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 That's that's what happened. It's like uh, from Attack on Titan. Oh, my the, gosh. The Titans. Yeah, the that's Titans. kind of what they look like. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, especially the... Nope, I'm not going to get into it. Um, okay, so now I'm going to say, close your eyes again. There's a black kid walking down the street. Gasp. Wow. Okay, what did that black kid look like? How did you picture this black kid? How are you thinking about it right now? Maybe bag your jeans. Maybe it's me because you you remember me. Maybe it's your aunt's cousin's brother's sister's uncle. <laughs> 
Maybe it's an NFL player, an NBA player. You've already Tyler got Murray. these. Yeah, you've already got these specific distinctions because that's what we've done in America. It doesn't matter where you go. When I say a kid walking down the street, you automatically tend to think white. When I say a black kid walking down the street, you probably have some preconceived notions. And so there, even in and of itself, when we say person or kid or human, we kind of typically think of a white person, kid or human. But then once we add a color to that mix, it turns into these distinctives or stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And seeing color, I mean, I think the reason that people don't want to see colors because they want to be racist. Yeah. <clears throat> so the solution is that to not see color. But you can see color and not be racist. Yep. Like it, we're just saying you can't not see color. Yeah. It doesn't, that doesn't determine if you're racist or not mm -hmm. or if you're prejudiced or not. It's just you see color. It's just you, you have eyes. <laughs> like, That's just the thing. Uh, and, so, and the thing is black people know that we see color. We know that. Right. In your experiment, I don't know if any of the listeners are thinking of this, but there's this office episode um, where oh, there's the, the new the, black the employee. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and it's, no. it's prison Mike. Um, and he goes, Mike. so he gets everyone in the conference room and he's like, everyone, I want you to picture a criminal right now. Let's, what is he wearing? Uh, I don't know. Baggy jeans. Maybe a backwards hat, you know. He says, "What's up, fishizzle?" Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> and then he, and then Michael Scott goes, "What were you picturing right then? A, a black man? No, it was a fifty-five-year-old white woman." <laughs> <laughs> How did I forget about that? That's in season two, right? That's like uh, way old. Season three, because it's after the murder. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, okay. Oh man. <laughs> That's all I was. I was trying to hold back laughter the whole time because I'm just thinking of Prison Mike <laughs> and the Dementors. <laughs> the worst part about Prison was the Dementors. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, let's talk about colorblind theology because that's a part of the title. Totally. So it's not a conscious theology that anyone's thought of, but it's mm -hmm. something I like to label. Yeah. Um, and I'm not the, obviously the one who originated the title of it. Um, but basically this view is that kind of your racial identity, your racial difference, we kind of reject that because we're hoping to show that kind of you're an individual who holds, like you don't, you don't discriminate, right. you don't look at color, you don't see color, mm -hmm. I don't treat anyone different, you know, we're all in Christ. And this, I think, originates in the 1960s, probably post-1960s, but the quote that I think starts this colorblind theology originates in the 1960s with MLK. Um, I think it's in the I Have a Dream speech where he says, kind of looking forward to that day, when we will judge a man not by the color of the skin, but by the content of their character. Right. And so we take that quote from MLK and say, see, MLK didn't want to see color, so also we don't want to see color. Which is interesting because MLK was black. Yeah. And so then let's leverage that. Yeah. But say that, oh, he didn't want to see it. So. Yeah. So that's that's where it originates. It's because I'm trying to, just like MLK, I'm trying yeah. to judge a man by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. And so again, that's why this... This is very well-intentioned, where I'm trying not to be discriminatory according to race, but again, it it, it becomes dismissive. So let's just talk about some stats, because I love stats. Sure. Um, and if, again, if you ever want to check, my mom reminded me of this. Thank you, Mother, for uh, previewing these episodes, uh, as mothers should and do. You can go look in the, the footnotes of these episodes to see where I got these stats from. Um, I got them from a plethora of sources. Um, sorry, I don't individually source uh, each <laughs> each stat. That'd take a lot of time. But regardless, here's some stats. 47% um, of black people say they felt that people were suspicious of them in the last year. 45% said people acted like they weren't very smart. 18% felt unfairly stopped by police in the last year compared to only 3% of white people. So it seems like this is something, and again, I don't want to make this a race thing, um, although this is black and white church, but 
it seems that white people are saying, I don't see color, but black people are saying, you guys see color. <laughs> yeah. Everyone sees color. Yes. Um, so, Ryan, when you, when you hear those stats, what arises into you? I know maybe you don't maybe have a personal experience with police brutality or something like that. Sure. Um, but when you hear these stats, what kind of arises up in you? Uh, the 47% said that they were suspicious within the last year. I can't, I can't stress enough how quickly when I brought that up to white friends growing up, they just dismissed that and said, no, that happens to everybody. Uh, whether I've walked in a gas station, whether I wanted to take off my hood, whether it looked like I was getting looks in a grocery store or I was walking down the street and, um, someone, uh, grabbed their kid a little tighter or like walked uh, a completely different direction or just made a big like literally like a uh like a middle-aged white mom and her daughter or her son and it's like oh watch out honey like that happens and and you know those things can happen to everybody but Mm -hmm. because of the climate and the context that i live in and because there's not very much exposure to african americans and especially in northeast mesa that can feel like an actual uh that can that can feel a little bit othering and so i i totally feel that uh people were suspicious than the last year and 45% of people acted like they weren't smart. I think I read this quote about how Barack Obama is somebody who had to be an elite in everything. Uh, It was uh, elite law school, elite um, political connections, became the president, uh, the most elite position in the known world, and had to become incredibly articulate just to convince people that he was legitimate. And I do think that often with me, uh, people are like, wow, you're really articulate or wow, you're really smart or wow, you're really something in, in the way that I communicate. And I don't think that's always often done, but the expectation is that if you're black, that's just not something you do. And so people will comment on my articulateness or my presentation skills as if that is an exception, not as if that's just something that I can uh, bring to the table like like anybody else. Yeah. And even <clears throat> with Barack Obama, you you think of the birther comments about him, like he he achieved all the highest degrees, but still was like, well, you maybe you weren't born here, mm-hmm. or maybe he he doesn't really know what he's doing in the office. <clears throat> like you compare this with Joe Biden, no one's saying that Joe Biden isn't smart. They're saying that he now has a mental disability, <clears throat> getting senile, having old age, dementia, whatever. So it's not that he's not good enough as is, it's that he's just declining. Yeah. With Obama, it was just like, we're, hmm, you say you're a Christian, but we think you're a Muslim. You say you were born here, but mm-hmm. we think you were born in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's still this kind of interesting, kind of dismissive, like, even your achievements, we don't know if we can trust them. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm. Yeah. But we'll talk more about other things like that in a different episode. Let's talk about the Bible because we are Christians and we are black and white church. Um, So a a common verse used to support this. Again, this is a theology. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not a big, big theology, but it's a small theology that some of us kind of wield. Um, It's Galatians 3. And Galatians 3 is where where Paul is talking about there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither male nor female. There's neither slave nor free, um, yada, yada. And they really focus in on there's neither Jew nor Greek and say, look, Paul's trying to support a colorblind kind of way of seeing the world where there's, we don't see Jew or Greek anymore. Ryan, I don't know if you've dove into this passage a lot, but when you hear Galatians three, do you think it's supporting a kind of view of just viewing people without color now? Because Paul said there's no longer Jew nor Greek. I think there's an ideal there that all of the humans uh, that are trying to figure out how to be part of this local church that he's planted and that he's trying to uh, shepherd, uh, I guess from a distance in this letter 
um, there's this ideal that we would be able to put away differences and be unified in the family of God. There's this air language and there's Jesus came at the right time when we look more at Galatians 4 uh, and sonship and all of those things. Um, and what's going on here, even when it talks about neither Jew nor Greek and male nor female, uh, we haven't gotten rid of male or female distinctions in this passage either. <laughs> Gender matters Gender, in the white church. Yeah, matters a lot. It does. And so when we say this passage to negate uh, ethnic differences and color differences, uh, it actually isn't doing what Paul is, is saying. Paul's not actually, uh, as I've looked at this verse, he's not actually saying get rid of all of your diverse background and and don't be uh, and don't wrestle. Yeah. yeah, don't be diverse at all. What he's saying is because of these diverse realities, we actually need to come together even stronger mm-hmm. and we actually need to recognize that we're in Christ's family and that's beautiful and we can't go back towards legalism. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. this isn't necessarily about race. This is about don't go into another faith that is going to disunify you. Yeah. Uh, so we can bring our, our race and our ethnic background into any kingdom situation because that's what's in Revelation uh, 5 and 7 and 12 and all the other uh, things we see at the end of the Bible. Yeah. Well, it's even, I mean, Galatians 2 is a lot of dealing with the Judaizers who are, yeah. in a sense, creating a dividing wall of hostility right. between the Gentile Christians and the Jewish Christians. And mm-hmm. so it's not that he's saying, oh, your differences don't matter. It's not that he's saying your differences should disappear. He's just yeah. saying, don't let those differences be a dividing wall of hostility between you. Yeah. Um, and we get this with male and female. We get this uh-huh. with slave or free. Yep. We get this idea of all being one, but doesn't mean like when I when I could flout my Italianness, um, I can flout, you know, the Italians are my people. When I see John Bellion making music, I'm like, oh, that's one of our own. Sure. When I see, you know, Michael Ware, who's a political activist, when I see him doing stuff, I'm like, oh, that's an Italian. It's one of our own. And everyone's like, oh, that's kind of cool. You're supporting local, you're supporting national Italians. Mm-hmm. But then, Ryan, when you say black people are my people, mm-hmm. you know, Candace Owens shouldn't, you know, get rid of our people. Yep. Um, I think people often have a problem with they that. They do. And it's like, well, you're, well, you're, you're, you're ours, Ryan. And yeah. I hear Because now like you're that. with the Christian family, so mm-hmm. you no longer belong to the black family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that gives you license to go, or that's it. People, white Christians often think that gives them license to say, "Well, Ryan, that's fine. You don't really need to talk about this anymore. You just need to believe in uh, God's kingdom." And that's just code for we don't want to be uncomfortable and talk about the racial realities that you're bringing into mm-hmm. uh, the. Um, well, they'd rather have you leave those yeah. racial ties. Uh-huh. And just be a neutral, colorblind Christian. Because that's more comfortable. Yeah. Even though, I mean, I can bring in all my Italian. I bring up mm-hmm. Italian all the time. Mm-hmm. I literally, we were hanging out last night, and I was talking to yeah. our friend's mother about Italy and talking about Italians. And yeah. everyone's just like, wow, this is so cool. But if Ryan starts talking about all these black artists he follows or uh-huh. black uh, celebrities or whatever, yeah. it's like, oh, why are you identifying so much with the black community? Yeah. Um, you're a Christian now. And so. Yeah. This reminds me of Romans 9, um, where, where Paul is talking about kind of his Jewish identity. And he's, he's basically like longing for the Jews to come into faith in Jesus so bad that he even said he would give up his own salvation if that meant the Jews could come into the true knowledge of Jesus. But we see Paul acknowledging his Jewishness and in Philippians 3, acknowledging his Jewishness of the yeah. tribe of Benjamin, mm-hmm. you know, a descended from Nigerians, whatever you want yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, and we're comfortable with Paul using that, seeing that, seeing color, using color, using yep. diversity. But we almost want to argue for this lack of it, like mm-hmm. just get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, that's what the solution is. The solution to the dividing wall of hostility between Ryan and myself, a white man and a black man, is for Ryan to lose his blackness. 
yep. in a sense, rather it than does. for us yeah. to like figure out how to unify within our uh-huh. black and whiteness. Right. It's more lose your blackness, I'll lose my whiteness, whatever that means. We'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah. And then that's how we get together. Yeah. And so that again, just like walking into a grocery store and assuming these products are mainly for your ethnicity. That's like walking into Christianity and assuming white is the reality of Christianity. Leave all of your expectations and specificities behind so that you can be part of this larger norm. And that's the frustrating thing about not seeing red, yellow, and green at a stoplight. Polka dotted. Yeah. Oh, and polka dotted (laughs) people. Um, And right now, there might be questions of like, well, I don't... I don't really see white as a race or a unified race, or I don't see white as a color. Uh-huh. Um, and so we're going to talk about that in, I think, two episodes. Sure. Um, so we'll end this one here on a good old cliffhanger, um, and we'll see you guys on the next one. All right.